Today, we explore fireworks. Is there a connection between the explosions and an increase in the iguana population of Ecuador? Most experts say no. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Poncho Section Podcast, where we talk about all things media-related. Today, we're going to talk about one of our favorites, Mel Brooks. So I was in the Lower West Side, and we're walking, and all of a sudden, there's a couple in front of us. They have two daughters. Yeah. Um, and they're walking, and I'm oblivious to everything, as I normally am. And That's how I am, too. Yeah. All of a sudden, <laughs> they stop, and... Yeah. Ben, the, the female, bends down to pick something up. It looked like maybe she's picking up like some sort of fake jewelry or something like that. Yeah. But they, they stop and they, they're blocking the sidewalk. Okay. Uh, and we're just like, what? all right. So we kind of stop. But uh, then eventually they keep walking and they then go and walk into the, into the street. And okay. you can kind of do that over in the West Village. There's like a lot less cars driving by. Yeah. So they start walking into the street. And all of a sudden she, Brittany, goes to me. Wait, what? She goes, it's Ferris Bueller. So right there, walking in front of us, yeah. was Matthew Broderick and, and Sarah, Jessica Sarah Jessica Parker with their two children. And they were blocking the street. They were blocking the street. What assholes. Right? <laughs> Fuck them. And uh, th- there was a part of me, because before, she, it, we didn't realize when they, uh, when they were first in front of us, bending over and like picking up the thing. But part of me, like I thought Brittany was going to curse them out. That would have been the greatest that thing would have been ever. The best story. If she cursed out Sarah Jessica Parker and her children and Matthew Broderick. did they did they look happy or did they look um, sad? You know they looked they looked all right. Like I think they I don't think it didn't look like anybody was like bugging them or like really noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, they were kind of doing just living their life. I think it was because they were with their children and nobody really said anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because it's I feel also it's like a New York vibe. New, people yeah. in New York tend to leave celebrities alone. I saw Louis C.K. the other day actually. He was oh, walking yeah? in Midtown. Yeah, but it was one of those things where he was off to the side, mm-hmm. so I wasn't gonna go run out and yeah. sideline him as he's walking. Like, hey, I'm hey. a fan, and then then he could totally ruin my perception of him just by that. Yeah, because so, I'm sure it would not go well. No, definitely not. Uh, but funny enough. I think the whole Matthew Broderick thing works out kind of interesting considering what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Considering he starred in The Producers. Did you ever see The Producers on Broadway? I did not see The Producers on Broadway, but I saw... I, I've seen both the original producers and the new producers. Yeah, and there's a big difference. Oh, yeah. There's a huge difference. <laughs> I mean, I loved the show. I thought the show was great when I saw it live and um, because I think it translates... It doesn't translate well to a movie. I thought the problem with that with that movie was that it felt actually too much like a stage play. Where you think even the original? No, no, no. The the new movie. Oh, the, the original. Movie. I, yeah. I will say the original movie I love. The original yeah. movie is perfect. Oh, it's, it's a perfect length. Everything about it. The actors are great. Yeah. Zero Mostel G- and Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder are perfect together. Incredible in perfect. that movie. But yeah, when they, I don't really know why they decided to make a remake of it. I don't know. And that actually wasn't directed by Mel Brooks, though. It really? Was, no, it was directed by Sue. I think her name's Susan Strollman. I I hope I'm not butchering that. But huh. uh, she was the director of, or one of the directors of the show. Oh, on, so, on Broadway. Yeah. So Mel Brooks wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't the director of the movie. Obviously, he had a big part in the movie, but he wasn't right. the director. So I wouldn't. I wouldn't put that in his. 
as, as like his own. Yeah. But I think the play, like the music and everything, that was all him. And yeah. It worked so that. well as a play. It was it was great as a musical. Mm-hmm. But the but the movie of it just seemed it seemed weird. I remember seeing it and thinking that Matthew Broderick was just ridiculous. He just, <laughs> he, it just seems it, it was like he was doing it for a stage because when you're on stage, you have to kind of not sense like overact, but you have to really put yourself out there mm-hmm. and be very, um, I guess a little, um, over the top maybe, or in a way, but, but not, um, it, there's just a different way about it. I don't know how to explain it. I think an actor could probably explain it better than I could. Yeah. But it just didn't look right. Okay. I can, I can say that. And also they threw in some other people that were well-known faces for the movie. So they, mm-hmm. they threw in Uma Thurman. Yeah. And they threw in Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell playing did, the who, Kenneth Mars role. Who did a good job, I will say. Will Ferrell did a good job in the movie. I, I, I actually did not mind his, his role in that, in that movie. Mm-hmm. But the original producers still oh. is, is the best. Absolutely. It's, it's my favorite. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so that was his first, that was Mel Brooks' first movie. Yeah, uh, he's and then he went on to create other incredibly classic comedy movies. He is he is a legend, really. Now, he is. Now, what was the first Mel Brooks movie that you saw? Do you remember? I think I would have to say Robin Hood Men and Tice was probably the first one that I saw. Well, and it's funny because that's kind of going backwards, yeah. but it also makes sense because that was that came out in 1993. Yeah. So that was our generation's Mel Brooks movie in a way. Right, yeah. Because the Dracula one, there's also a movie Dracula Dead Love yeah. it. I've never seen it, but I haven't heard good things. I saw like a few minutes of it and it was on, um, it was, it was on a like WB or some, some network. Oh God. And uh, yeah, it was pretty, and, and I didn't even know at the time, I remember seeing it, but Mel Brooks in another movie, I didn't even know about it. Yeah. And I guess there's good reason for that because it wasn't very good. No, it wasn't. But I loved Robin Hood Men in Tights, and then I think the next one after was Spaceballs. That I yeah, saw. yeah. See, I think for me, and I hope I'm remembering this correctly. I think Spaceballs was the first one that I saw. Okay. And then Robin Hood Men in Tights. It was. I think there was an age where I discovered, where I really discovered him, because I, I'd heard about Spaceballs. I remember hearing my sister talking about it. She had seen it with some friends, and mm-hmm. she would always be quoting it. And I finally saw that, and then I guess I kind of I, from my dad and from some other people and from my Jewish friends figured out <laughs> figured out who Mel Brooks was. Yeah. And then that's when I started going through and going back and watching the older movies, watching Blazing Saddles. Oh, yeah. Then I think it for me, the order was I went from Spaceballs and then I think Robin Hood Men Tights was probably the next one I saw. Okay, yeah, because, because uh, I think I had seen that with friends. Mm-hmm. And then from there went to... Um, Went to Blazing Saddles. Okay, nice. Good Bla- choice. Blazing Saddles. And the producers was thrown in there somewhere, but Young mm-hmm. Fran- Frankenstein came a little later. And then History of the World Part 1 was after all of those. Yeah. So I kind of went in a weird weird order of, of Mel Brooks. Yeah. But, you know, you see, it doesn't really matter no. what order you go in. You kind of notice how he steals from himself, how a lot of jokes kind of carry over into other movies. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, I've rewatched them so many times at this point, and would continue to rewatch them and revisit them. Oh, yeah, we're that's, definitely going to have a marathon. That's just what you do. Even sitting next to us, there are probably all a stack of DVDs of all of the Mel Brooks movies. I, yeah, I, these are all mics. I have all every single one except for the Dracula one. Yeah, which is, again, which is okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe you just get it just to, 
fill the maybe just to just to have it just so you to have finish to off the collection collection because yeah a couple of years ago I had gotten my dad the Blu-ray collection oh but that, yes but that see I don't even know if that includes uh, the Dracula movie I don't even know if they include that in the, the Blu-ray <laughs> I think they right? I think it's one of those where they just pretend they're forgotten child uh, like the uh, Star, pretend it never happened like the Star Wars holiday special they pretend, oh, yes. it, they pretend it never happened <laughs> totally yeah. yeah I think my order was it was. Like I said, Robin Hood, then uh, Spaceballs, and then I don't remember which one first, but then it was, let's just say, the Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein combo. Yeah. And then I think it was History of the World, and one of the last ones I saw was The Producers. Now, do you have, would you say you have a favorite? I know you would mention Young Frankenstein. Yeah, Young Frankenstein is definitely my favorite. Yeah. It's just amazing. I think for me... uh, History of the World Part One is my favorite, yeah. but it does it does change over time because I think as I think History of the World Part One when I saw it versus what I had seen before, I think most of it was um, I, I, just to me it just resonated with me the most. Okay, and yeah. that I, I just laughed the most from that one. I just thought, and it was it seemed a little different too from its other ones. But I think as I get older and if I went back to keep watching them, I think it would it would definitely change things. So I do want to go back and, and rewatch everything and then yeah. make a more updated decision because I think, you know, as you get older, you pick up on more things. I didn't understand the one thing, there's a scene in History of the World Part 1 with Hugh Hefner. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know, I think when I was younger and saw it, my dad had to, had to explain to me, he goes, okay, so that guy, he runs, <laughs> he runs this magazine, it's called Playboy. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I kind of know what that is, but I, it wasn't... It's a new concept. It's yeah. called the centerfold. Yeah. <laughs> so now when I see them, I'm like, that's hilarious. That's so funny. But but back then, I didn't really understand it. I think I laughed for different reasons. Yeah. And maybe just the silliness of it. But now I see it now, and I, I see the more kind of cleverness to it. Oh, yeah. No, he was... He made really smart jokes. I mean, there was, a lot of them were stupid, mm-hmm. granted. But they, they never... I don't think they ever talked down to the audience. No, in not at movies. all. Not at all. It, it really, it, it kind of bridged, like, there's the dumb comedy, where, right. where I don't like to call it stupid comedy, because it's it's still comedy, it's not stupid. Right. But it's, you laugh at, it's silly, maybe. Yeah, it's I think silly, silly is a better word. Silly, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not smart. Right. I think, when I first saw History of the World Part 1, I, it always reminded me, especially the beginning parts, it really reminded me of those old school uh, cartoons, yeah. where they would just throw, like, little jokes at you, like... It would be a joke like the Cold War is over, and they show at first like there's a bunch of soldiers in like snow and they're wearing snow clothes, yeah. and then it's like the Cold War is over, so now they're at the beach and they're all they're playing volleyball and stuff right. like that. So it's like silly jokes like that where they did like uh, the dawn of uh, the first uh, heterosexual marriage, and right. they smack the the woman with the club and then followed by the first homosexual marriage and he smacked the guy with the club. You know, and what's funny about that scene is I think when I first, when I first saw History of the World Part 1, I had actually, and this kind of dates my, dates me, but I taped it on really? TV. I want to say it might have been on AMC or Turner Classic Movies or one of those places. Okay. So, and that was the first time I had seen it. So, uh, and I knew, and I'd heard so much about it that I wanted to save it. So I, I taped it, and I want to say, I guess it was a VHS tape, and so I, yeah, I put it on VHS, 
but because it was on one of those networks, there yeah. was a lot cut out. So, that, so they actually cut that out. Oh, really? Yeah. So it wasn't until later until I got the DVD version, and then I'm like, oh my god, I don't remember this. And of <laughs> course, yeah, it was uh, cut out of the yeah. TV. I version. mean, that whole beginning uh, scene is great. I mean, they have the the legendary Sid Caesar in it. Mm-hmm playing like the caveman who is working on this beautiful painting that he's like clearly putting all his all his passions into right and it said with the dawn of the first artist came the first critic and then yeah. the guy who comes along just pees right yeah. all over it and and that that's one of those scenes that's funny when you're young and it's funny when you're older oh the yeah guy peeing on it that's hilarious no matter, <laughs> no matter how old you are there's certain kind, there's certain kinds of humor, and I think uh, another example of that kind of thing is just jumping to a different movie, yeah. to Blazing Saddles. Is the the whole scene, the campfire with the when they eat the oh, beans, yeah. and they all start farting. Oh, it's great! And that that scene was hilarious when I was young, and it still cracks me up now. Oh, I I die every time I see that. And the, the great thing about that is that he really pushed he pushed the envelope in that scene. It doesn't seem like it today in today's world. That's nothing. Yeah, it's really nothing. But in back in the day, in the, I guess that was the seventies. That was huge. Like that, nobody farted on TV on TV or film. It was like a huge taboo. And apparently, I've seen this documentary where he's talking to the Warner executives, and they're going through. They're like, "All right, well, you can't do uh, you can't do the farting scene. You can't do that. You can't do, you can't say the N word in this movie. You can't do that. They're crossing out all these things that he's doing. So he's like, okay, thanks. They leave and he throws it out. Cause he had executive decision on what goes in his film and he pushed right. it. Yeah. And because of that, like he opened the door to so many ridiculousness that we see today. Yeah. And you look at stuff like that and you can say a lot of the stuff is dated because you do something like that today and it's not a big deal at all. Right. But you kind of have to put yourself in the mindset of, okay, you have to think about when the movie was made mm-hmm. and allow yourself to kind of say, you have to really think about what he's doing. And because you watch it now and you're like, okay, campfire scene, like that's nothing crazy. But if you think about the time, and I, to me, it's still funny. Yeah. Oh, it's great. I'm curious to think what the next generation is going to think, next generation of kids. You mean like about that kind of movie? Yeah. Or just they're gonna, like they're in gonna movies find, in general? Well, if they're still going to find something like that funny. Oh, yeah. Or if they're going to be looking to more modern comedies. So, I mean, I couldn't even give a good example right now of something that I, that I really laughed yeah. at, a comedy that I really laughed at. I think the last one was uh, I saw What We Do in the Shadows, I thought was really good. Hmm, which was I never a, saw uh, it. But again, it's like it's, it's a spoof movie where they, it's a group of um, vampires. Okay. One of them is Jermaine Clement from Flight of the Concords. Oh sure. Yeah, and it's a yeah. So it's it's a comedy about like a three I think three vampires living together in a house. Mm-hmm. And they're roommates, and it's just it's a very it's a very funny movie. But I think concepts like that are yeah. are really good. And, well, and they work well. I like that you brought up uh, spoofs because if you want to talk about a great spoof director or writer you talk about mel brooks he yeah. really knew how to do a satire uh, or a parody of a film he or a genre of films unlike a lot of the movies today like the epic movies or the, oh, that, of that garbage i have he, to think he's so insulted if he if he's even aware of them which i'm yeah, sure he's at least acutely aware you would have to think that he's insulted by that kind of thing he must be because he he really knew how to make a film like that because he the first thing is he loved the films that he would make a joke of. Yeah. As in, in he did it in love of that. Like with 
um, high anxiety. He went and spoke to Alfred Hitchcock to kind of get his blessing and talk to him about certain scenes and what they thought would be funny to kind of spoof on that kind of, that genre of films. Well, I mean, I think that's the best way to do it is to kind of pay homage to yeah. the movies that you like. And, and in that kind of sense, too, it's, it's those movies that aren't comedies. It's really hard to spoof of something that's already a comedy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, I've seen stuff like that. I think it goes along with the epic movie. There was something else in that realm. I, I don't know the exact yeah. name of the movie, but they were looking to other comedies. Like, they were looking to... The, I think one of them was spoofing the movie Hitch with uh, Will oh, Smith. Oh, okay, yeah. I don't know whatever... Oh, yeah. is that like the date movie or something like that? Something like that. But you run into a problem because Hitch was a comedy yeah. in itself. You're trying to spoof a comedy. It, it's just weird. Yeah, it well, doesn't seem they, to make sense. None of those movies I ever took as like necessarily a spoof. They just seemed to reference movies. They would reference shit that's going on, and I guess they thought that was funny. There were was one, one trick pony movies, yeah. and they took no. It was just someone like just like farted out a movie and like, hey, this works." Yeah, because they, there was like no. I, I I don't know what happened in in those meetings. Mm -hmm. Like how. It must have been just the laziest writing, and they were cranking out so many of those movies. It was like yeah. they don't even care; they're just throwing this shit out there because yeah. it sells, or maybe it doesn't sell. Yeah. Mel Brooks uh, really he he took a passion to making the films that he did, and they're great. Mm -hmm. Like uh, my favorite being Young Frankenstein. Like mm -hmm. they really spoofed that kind of film they they went out and i believe they actually got the equipment that was from the original frankenstein movies really for the the scenes where they when they're in the uh, the laboratory in the dungeon wow that's pretty that's yeah. impressive uh, but he had that kind of pull i guess at that time yeah. he was able to do things like that i think even by then he was well respected i think with young frankenstein and blazing saddles they came out in the same year mm -hmm. which i still don't understand it's incredible that that's he was like, able to do that that's unheard of that yeah. doesn't happen that you, a director will come out with two movies in the same year that both are... And they were both incredible. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's it's unheard of. He must have not slept that year. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that was 1974. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, thinking, um, thinking back, like, you have to really... It, it, it really helps if you see all the movies uh, that he's spoofing. Yeah. So, for me, when I first saw Spaceballs, that was perfect because I had seen Star Wars. Yeah. I was young... But I still could, I could understand, like, I saw Pizza the Hut and it cracked me up. Because, yeah, Jabba the Hut, Pizza the Hut, that's great, that's perfect. It's hilarious. Um, and, and with Young Frankenstein, when I actually first saw that, I wasn't, I had seen Frankenstein, but I was really young, so I mm -hmm. didn't really have it clear in my mind. So I rewatched the original Frankenstein. Sure. And then after, re even before I rewatched Young Frankenstein, after that, the scenes, I remembered the scenes from Young Frankenstein, and they seemed even funnier to me, because I knew it was happening in the original right. Frankenstein. So, like, with the the little girl that he comes across, yes. <laughs> and he tosses her, and he throws her into the water. And even that kind of scene, and she drowns, and that scene, seemed, it's really silly to look at now, because mm -hmm. it's just, he just picks her up and just throws her, and she just falls like a rock. But then in Young Frankenstein, where they start picking flowers together, yeah. and they're in the sandbox, and then he goes on the seesaw, and, and shoots she her through, through into back into bed. I mean that yeah, <laughs> that scene is is even the more hysterical. Yeah. And after seeing the scene again, when I, the, my favorite scene was always the one with the blind man, Gene, Gene Hackman playing the blind it, man. It's a brilliant scene. Great scene, and 
again, that that whole scene where he comes across the blind man is in the second Frankenstein movie, mm-hmm. in The Bride of Frankenstein. Okay. Where he comes across a blind man. And I want to say he kills him. I, I think it's something like that. Yeah. But, but I feel like that's one of those scenes where no matter who you are, that's just a funny scene where he's oh, pouring soup down. Yeah. That's great. And ends up lighting him on fire. And then at the end... Gene Hackman, he ad-libbed that last part, which is just so hilarious. Where like, are you going? I was going to make espresso. Yes. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. Oh, and, man. And I think that was also what the... It was, uh, it was weird to see Gene Hackman, I think, for people in that kind of role because he was a serious actor. Oh, yeah. And he was a well-respected, serious actor. And in that scene, he was hilarious and completely turned it around. Oh, he was brilliant. And that's, and that's always fun to see. Absolutely. It's always a lot of fun to see. Um, again, like Robin Hood Men in Tights, that was one I'd seen Robin Hood movies, so yeah. to me that was that worked just fine. And and no matter who you are, again, it's just it's a silly, fun movie. Oh, absolutely. Starring the great Carrie Elwes. Elwes? El, El, something like that. El, El, I don't know what happened to him, actually. I haven't seen him. After Saw? I don't know. He wasn't in too much. Yeah. It's, it's actually interesting. We were talking about earlier about some of the actors he had chosen. We were saying Bill Pullman in Spaceballs. Right. And how if you, you think about Bill Pullman today, people know who he is. They're aware. I think he had a, a failed TV show recently. Really? So he's been around. He went to Oneonta. He did go to Oneonta. He dropped out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he did go there for a little while. We have to remind ourselves of that. Because, <laughs> because uh, unfortunately, Steve Ranazizi lied about 9-11, so we don't have him on our side anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I still like him, but uh, that kind of that kind of sets him back a little bit. So that's a hard thing to mm-hmm. get over, hard hurdle um, to get over. But yeah, Bill. So Bill Pullman nowadays is not the Bill Pullman maybe of the eighties, right? And it's interesting to see if you think about if. And there's still speculation that Mel Brooks might do a Spaceballs two. We were just talking about that, uh, thinking about whether or not that's going to really happen and the obstacles that he's going to yeah. have to. Well, despite the fact that Mel Brooks is going to turn ninety this summer. Yep, and most of the actors that were in that movie are dead now. Like you, they're either dead. John or... Candy's dead. You have uh, Joan Rivers dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're either dead or they might as well be dead. And I don't mean that in a mean way because yeah. <laughs> you think about, um, for example, Rick Moranis. Right. He's, he's very much alive, but he's not alive in the acting world because he hasn't acted in about twenty years. Yeah. So in that sense, and I don't think he ever planned to return. So in that right. sense, he's not really someone you can pull back in mm-hmm. to a movie. Uh, the only one, Bill Pullman, but I don't know. He's very different. He's much older and yeah. sadder looking. He might nowadays. not. He might not be able to do like I mean, because it was based on Star Wars. They're running around. They're they're shooting guns. They're doing this. They're doing that. I don't know really what they can really do with him. And even if they could do something with him, what kind of movie would that be? You would have maybe, I don't know, at most three or four returning people if you include Mel Brooks rolling out there in crutches or something like that. I don't know. Well, if you think about it and you want to um, you want to spoof the new Star Wars movies, you can make it work in a sense where you have Bill Pullman but in like in a small role. Right. Where he just kind of makes like a Luke Skywalker type like cameo. That thing. is true. Um for those of you who haven't seen Star Wars yet, I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> that's your fault. You should, have, you should have seen it already. Uh, yeah, so um, there's that, and you could cast, I guess, younger people to play um, a spoof kind of of someone like uh, Ray or Finn. Well, right, right, yeah. You could do something like that, but who who would they get though? Who, that's, know, that's, that's the thing. Though. Who could you get to do something? I don't know, but like, I, maybe I, Gerard I, Carmichael, <laughs> <laughs> maybe. since they're friends. 
Yeah. yeah. Although Mel Brooks has always surrounded himself with the best actor, comedic actors in yeah. the world. By far. He's always had... He had like a group of people that he'd always keep in his movies. I mean, you have Cloris Leachman, Harvey Corman, mm. uh, Madeline Kahn, Marty Feldman. Cloris uh, Leachman's still alive? She is? She is. So she, could, she, could, she, she could come back. She yeah. could do something. She could do something. Um, Sid Caesar, Dick Van Patten, um, Kenneth Mars, Dom DeLuise, Gene Wilder. I mean, now that I think about it, you could do something where you have Princess Vespa, right? She's, yeah, she was still alive. She's still alive. She's still alive. I don't, see, I don't know that. I, I, don't, course, know. I don't know what she yeah, does. But you could have the two of them. You could have her and Bill Pullman be like the Han Solo, Princess Leia type thing. Yeah. Where they're kind of in it, but they're, you know, they're older and then handed off. To, and then not handed off, but you have like a new generation. Sure. Spoofing. But then the question is, who do you get? Who are the, who are the young people you get yeah. to do it? Would they be someone unknown? See, now I'm thinking, like, who who would I want to cast? Because that now this brings up a whole nother conversation. That's a whole new one. Who you want to cast in the Spaceballs too, and whether you want, even want a Spaceballs too? Right. Do you think it could work? And I, I think I think it could, but I just I almost feel like his legacy, Mel Brooks's legacy, is so good. He's ninety. He's ninety years old. You want to do anything to right? I you risk anything? Yeah, at this point in your career, I, I don't, or in your life, do, yeah, do you want to do that? Hmm. But there has been a lot of speculation, and who knows if it's actually happening. Yeah. Um, but you could, ca- I mean, you could cast a young female comedian, cast, we could see, like, Amy Schumer. That's like, oh, uh, God. I know, you, you would Don't get me started on there. You wouldn't be too thrilled with that no. one. But then who would you get? Who, who's like a big, no who, who's like a big, um, younger female comedian nowadays? Or someone who, who does... Like acting kind of deal? Because now, see, now it's weird because in, in movies now, I'm, I'm really confused by comedies right now because they all seem to be starring Zac Efron. I don't understand, <laughs> and I don't understand who, who made Zac Efron the comedy guy. Yeah. When did he become the comedy guy? I'm not sure, but I, I don't know. I would say they're they're working on more stronger female kind of casts. So you have the whole Ghostbusters thing. You have those right. women. You need um, someone younger though, probably yeah. for you would you would think. I mean, you could do whatever you want. You do whatever right. whoever's funny. You could make it work. But I would think that for something like this, you do want someone maybe a little younger mm-hmm. for that type of role because I'm pretty sure that the, the girl who's Ray and guy who's been there like 22 maybe or, yeah, or something they're somewhere around our age yeah so you could make them like 10 years older maybe and that yeah. would be that would work out fine but mm-hmm. uh, other than that i don't really know what you're really going to do but you know that's a whole nother conversation you can think yeah. about that but now i'm actually kind of curious now i actually see a way they could make a space balls too oh yeah without i mean with without the with the all the dead people because <laughs> <laughs> well yeah yeah you could still you could still do it because you're in a way, you're handing it off. Yeah. To it. Although it would, be, it would be rough without Joan Rivers, though. She was great. She was really good. And also Rick Moranis, too. That would be a tough thing, too. When when he came out, that that helmet of his is just the, one of the funniest looking gags. It's it's stupid, but it's just hilarious every single time I see it. Yeah. But they would have to do something like that. And I guess they could spoof uh, Kylo Ren. They could do something. Maybe. So, I mean, it could work where he's kind of, kind of like a whiny kid. Maybe, but who you get Zac Efron? Zac like, Efron, I guess. You know, yeah. you have you have to get Zac Efron. To play that part. <laughs> I don't know what else you do. Uh, um, you know, you know who could work now. I just you could get one of the girls from uh, like Broad City or something to be yeah. to be in the movie. That could work. Who knows? Who knows? If, again, this will probably never happen. Yeah, but just ideas. Um, I'd like to talk. If, if do you know too anything about like how he pretty much started? 
like with the, the Catskills and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know, I don't know that far back. All I know is he used to write um, in the 1950s on Sid Caesar's uh, Your Show of Shows. Yes. Yeah. So as we both know, you and I know that Mel Brooks is a an amazing storyteller. Yes. He really is. Um, and I am a crap storyteller. But I'm going to try to do my best to tell a story that Mel Brooks has told many times. Let's hear it. Because I'm obsessed with him a little bit and just have heard this story many times. So he grew up poor in Williamsburg. And a normal child, they probably would be off to the garment district when they got older. Right. But he knew of, they had this, I guess, C-list celebrity in town mm-hmm. and nerd about like all the adventures of being an actor and stuff like that. Right. So that C-list celebrity got him a job working in the Catskills, in the Borscht to go tend for the old Jews. And so he was working at some sort of um, lodge where he was a busboy and he tended to the, uh, the rowboats. And he was also like a stand-in for the, whoever, when they put on the plays. So he had to like sit, sit and watch and learn all the lines and whatever in case anybody gets out sick or something like that. Right. So from what he said is that there was a guy in a play and he actually fell into a hole which legitimately and got injured so he couldn't be in the play. And okay. so they grabbed Mel. He was 14 at the time. Oh They're like, gosh. all right, you got to be in the play. Does he know the lines? So he went through the lines. He goes, okay, great. He's great. But he's supposed to be playing like a 70-year-old. So they got him this white wig. They gave him a, a white mustache. They drew on some lines for the wrinkles. Yeah. And the, the scene was simple. He was playing a DA. A district, he was playing a district attorney. Yeah. The, it was a, a murder case. Okay. They're in the, um, the courthouse, and he's supposed to say something. Calm down, have a glass of water, and tell us in your own words what happened. So he, he goes up on stage. There's tons of people in the audience. He's, he's nervous because he's never done this before. And so he goes, he pours the glass. He goes, hey, calm down, take this glass of water. In your own words, tell us what happened. And he drops the glass, and it smashes on the ground. Shards of glass go over, and water goes everywhere. Yeah. He freezes. The uh, other actor freezes. The, everybody else on stage freezes. He doesn't know what to do. He just turns to the audience, walks up to the front, takes the wig off, takes the mustache off, and looks at him and goes... I'm only 14. I've never done this before. <laughs> and everybody lost it. Everybody started cracking up. And he said that was the moment when he like knew oh that he wanted God. to do comedy. Oh, that's perfect. Right? And that was his first time breaking the fourth wall. And he breaks it, the fourth wall in all his movies. All I think that was, it was meant to be that, that, that he went on to create these amazing movies. I mean, at 14 to be able to do that. That's, yeah. that's pretty gutsy. That's <laughs> totally. hilarious, though. I didn't know that story. Where, where did you hear that? Uh, he's told it a million times. Like he, I've, I've seen him. He had an interview with Conan. Okay. He was talking to him about that. Uh, there's the whole HBO uh, uh, moment where he was talking with Dick Cavett right. about like various things in the past. Yeah, he's told it a few times, and I just it stuck with me. It was just so funny. That's great. That's so great. Yeah, I, I love stuff like that. I love mm-hmm. hearing those old stories. He has a few great ones. Uh, there's one about Blazing Saddles and how Gene, uh, Gene Wilder got that the, to become the Waco Kid. So originally there was a different actor playing that role of the Waco Kid. Mm-hmm. For anybody who doesn't know, the Waco Kid is like a... Uh, he was once supposed to be this this great uh, duelist or whatever. I don't know what you call it. Dueler. 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 He's great with a gun. He <laughs> had it all. He was like this big shot. And then he got shot in the butt mm-hmm. and it turned became an alcoholic. Yeah. So the the scene, the when you first meet him, you have Black Bart going up to the jail cell. You see the Waco Kid hanging upside down. 
And the line goes, Black Bart says to, to Waco Kid, are we awake? Mm-hmm. And to the Waco Kid's supposed to respond, I don't know. Are we black? Because it's the, the 1840s, whatever. They've never heard of a black sheriff before. It's, right. it's bizarre. So he ended up getting uh, this actor who was an actual alcoholic. He was an actual drunk. Oh, okay. So I guess he had went out the night before, was like super wasted, and he's, like, he's hanging upside down, <laughs> and the, the line goes, are we awake? And he goes, I don't know, are we... <laughs> And he starts puking up this green stuff. And according to <laughs> Mel Brooks, he turns to like his assistant and goes, Holy crap. This guy's amazing. Look at the take he's given us. He's really, this, is, this is so good. And he starts, but then eventually he's throwing up and they had to get him to the hospital and whatever. So oh they ended up having to call up Gene Wilder to fill in for the, the role. I mean, that, but that could have worked so well, though. Right? If it showed that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I didn't know that. I mean, Gene Wilder was, was amazing oh, yeah. in that role, so I could never. Absolutely. Say. Yeah, I can never say that. Well, I love the story, and maybe you know it better than I do, but there's a story of the scene at the end of Blazing Saddles, where there, it was, uh, you know the end of Blazing Saddles, where mm-hmm. they're at the studio lot? Yeah, when they're running, everybody's running chaos, and they end up running outside of it? They run outside, and there was a guy mm-hmm. that got, you heard this story about <laughs> yeah. the guy who was in the, he was in the shot? There was just some guy wandering around there, and, and, <laughs> and Mel Brooks saw this, and he said, wait, we gotta, we gotta do a retake, this this can't work. This guy's. We gotta get him out of here. So then they uh, they tried doing it again, mm-hmm. and then the guy he wandered on again. Again, I'm butchering the story. No, no, he, I think it's he, good. He wandered on again, and then, and so it's just there's this one guy in the scene who's just standing there looking around at all this pandemonium of people running in all this all their like western type uh, yeah clothing. And he thought it was so funny. He said, "Leave it in, bye." Yeah. So there's so if you look closely in that scene, there's just a random guy who's standing around while there's pandemonium in the like on yeah. the studio lot, people running around. It's and great, just, and it was just a random guy who somehow wandered into onto the set and into the scene. Yeah. <laughs> that's really how it went down. It, it was great. And no I love, movie. He he ended up getting a lot of like really great things like that, where either just shit happened or uh, he was. He really was able to trust in his actors. Mm-hmm. Um, a story I just heard uh, relating to Young Frankenstein was the scene right after they believed that they failed in bringing the, the monster to life. Mm-hmm. Gene Wilder's character is sitting in the scene and he's going, oh, reputation, reputation. And uh, Terry Garr's character is like, Dr. Frankenstein, you haven't touched your food. And he goes, he stamps on it. There, touch it. Happy? So Marty Feldman has a line right after that. And I guess he asked Mel, he was like, hey, I have have this line. It it involves a pause. you mind if I try it out? Mm -hmm. So he's like, yeah, sure, sure. Give it a shot. So they they do the scene. He goes, oh, there, I touched the food. And Marty Feldman, Igor, goes, when these things would happen to my father, the things he'd say... And then it just paused. And apparently, like, they waited, like, an, a minute. And everybody on the set is, like, losing it because of just, like, the timing that he has. And yeah. Jim Wilder just brilliantly goes, well, what did he say? Yeah. To Barney Feldman going, what the hell are you doing in the bathroom all day and night? Why don't you get out? Give someone else a chance. <laughs> and then takes a bite of a big piece of potato. And that was it. That's the scene. It was ridiculous. And it makes no sense. But it is so funny. That that was always my favorite as a kid, too. Yeah. That scene. I thought it was hilarious, and I didn't know why. And I don't think anyone knows why. <laughs> no, it's just but so it's, ridiculous. It was just a ridiculous scene. And sometimes that kind of ridiculous 
that kind of ridiculousness mm-hmm. is what leads to the best comedy. Oh, absolutely. It really does. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are those are some great stories. Um, what else, did we want to cover? Anything else? I mean, pretty I much know. we're we're uh, we're big Mel fans, and we hope that Huge you that you're all Mel fans too. And it's yes. it's timeless, and you can just keep watching those movies over and over again, and they're always funny. And it just reminds you. And I, and I think, too, there's so many people. I know, for one, uh, Seth Rogen mm-hmm. is hugely influenced by Mel Brooks and Spaceball specifically. Oh, really? And, yeah. Oh, he always talks about how Spaceballs thought he thought it was, it's, he still thinks it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> and he and him and, and his, uh, his, the, uh, his best friend, uh, Evan Goldberg, Evan, okay. the guy that they, they direct those movies together. They, I, I forget who said it. It might have been Mark Maron who said, well, you guys want to try and be like the next Mel Brooks, you're trying to do that, and they said, "Oh my God, we could never achieve that." Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. They they know, and 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 their movies are good, but they some of them. But, <laughs> no, no, they do have some good stuff, but um, but they uh, but they know that they can't achieve the greatness that is yeah. Mel Brooks, and and not to say they're bad, but they they understand, they respect that Mel Brooks yeah. is king. And, and, <laughs> and all those comedian guys all love Mel Brooks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just you have to. Yeah, and, and in the same way, too, that Mel Brooks, as much as he was innovative, he was influenced, too, by people, mm-hmm. by the Marx Brothers, specifically, yeah. um, were a big influence on him. The Marx Brothers, he also, there's another group, he was talking to Conan about it, I, and of course I'm going to botch it up right now, It's not, they're very similar to the Marx Brothers, they just were not, they ended up just not being, like, as popular, I guess they're... the. Were during the same time. Yeah, their, their films, I guess, just were not re-released or anything like that, but they had very similar... Oh, uh, kind know. of style, and of course I'm watching the story because I wasn't one of the Three Stooges. No, no, it was the Three Stooges. It was it was another like something brothers okay. kind of thing. Because Three Stooges are fun, but they're oh, very yeah. the Three Stooges. When I watch the Three Stooges, it's like one of those things where like I, I sit there watching it and something ridiculous will happen, and I'll just break out into like a start of laughter. I'm just like I can't help it. This yeah, is just so, it's so silly, it's so ridiculous, but there's sometimes it's just hilarious. Oh, and yeah. I can't help it. Well, I think I actually think it was Conan, and, and I don't know. I don't know if this is plagiarizing, but I'm I'm saying what he said. He used uh, the Barst Brothers as a good example because they are they were they were relentless yeah. in their comedy, and so is Mel. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Absolutely, he's relentless in in everything he does, and some of the greatest stuff are just he just throws joke after joke after joke at you. Like, I, for some reason, right now I'm thinking of in History of the World Part One when they're in the the castle. And they're trying to escape, and he runs into that room, and it just it ends. And he's like, "Who designed this, design this place?" Yes, that that line is hysterical. Little things like that is just incredible. Or the Cloris Leachman when they they have the crowd and like, oh, "Let's end this night." No, 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 high note. Yeah. Oh, let's end this meeting on a high note. Ah! Yeah. Just silly stuff like that, but it it's always hilarious. To oh, me. it's great. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, check out. Um, Check out the Mel Brooks movies you haven't seen. Maybe you haven't seen. What would be something that people you think maybe are not as popular? Maybe like uh, silent movie. Maybe? Silent movie. High anxiety. High anxiety. Maybe is not as yeah. Which is that a gr- it's brilliant. That that's another whole other story. Um, I would recommend look for Mel Brooks to tell the story about him and uh, Alfred Hitch- Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Because I'm gonna butcher it, but it's it's so funny the way he tells the story. Yeah, and also try. I would say try and watch the movies that he's spoofing, too, if you haven't seen that. Oh, totally. And definitely check out, if you're not familiar with Hitchcock, definitely check out some of, at least some of the bigger movies. 
maybe uh, specifically for high anxiety, I would say watch Psycho. Psycho. Watch, definitely watch Vertigo. Yeah. And The Birds. Yeah. I would say I would those. Definitely um, say those three. Those would be a big. That those would be the big three. Uh, but mm-hmm. again, he's got such an extensive library, and Hitchcock is, is great. I love Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think um, we've covered what we wanted to cover. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, whoever gets a hold of this, please send this over to Mel so that he knows we love him and that we can meet him. Yeah. <laughs> because that's doable. Next next uh, episode, we're going to have Mel Brooks actually here on the podcast. Yep. And he'll be sitting here with us telling us all these stories, and you, you'll get to hear them firsthand. Yes. So that's my, <laughs> that's my big lie for the day. And... Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think we did good. I think so. All right. You guys have a terrific evening, or daytime, whenever you have listened to this. Yep, and we'll be back soon. Peace.